0: we are going to be in verse 4, Matthew chapter 3 we'll start in verse 4, we left off in verse 3, but we'll go ahead and just read verses 1 through 12 again, so if you're in Matthew chapter 3 verse 1, say amen. amen amen in those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying repent you for the kingdom of heaven is at hand for this is he Who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare you the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And the same John had his raiment of camel's hair, and a leather girdle about his loins, and his meat was locusts and wild honey. Then went out to him Jerusalem, and all Judea, and all the region around about Jordan, and were baptized of him in Jordan. Confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism. He said unto them, O generation of vipers, who has warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth therefore fruits, meat for repentance. And think not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. And now also the axe is laid unto the root of the tree. Therefore every tree which brings not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he who comes after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I'm not worthy to bear. He, He shall baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire, whose fan is in his hand and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Now, passage sounds familiar. (laughs) So we covered verses 1 through 3, so let's just jump right in to verse 4. Verse 4 Says, and the same John had his raiment of camel's hair and, le- and a leather girdle about his loins, and his meat was locust and wild honey. If one is to notice, there was nothing designed to impress or attract notice about John or his lifestyle. His lifestyle was meant to set him apart. As a symbolism of what Israel should be. From the other nations of the world. Israel was meant to be so different. Than the other nations. But they actually began to look just like them. Even, even to the point of. Worshipping multiple. That was like the biggest thing. That Israel had one God. Not many gods. Like he the nation. But Israel began to. Looked just like either nation. So right here you see a picture of John. His lifestyle and everything. Actually should have represented. What, how, much, how much Israel should have stood apart. From the other nations. Israel was not separate. In the ways that really counted. Which spoke of God's righteousness. But instead in a sectarian. Self-righteous way which meant they held themselves aloof from all others, concluding themselves to be God's chosen with all others looked at as dogs. Therefore, John's preaching would have been a shock and an affront to them, especially the religious elite. Hmm. So if you can, you got to think of it this way, which will, uh, whenever I looked at it this way, it just got to move my mind. John was basically teaching repentance and change directions to what would have been considered the church of that day, the ones that believed that they were totally right. And here comes John, a prophet of the Lord, who says, repent from the direction that you're going we talk about the church of that day
1: yeah.
0: and John gets, the Lord says preach this, John gets over right in the middle of the church and says repent it would be like somebody addressing the church of today as a whole and saying repent <laughs> You're so far off. What do you think that response would be to that? <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> so you're going the wrong way. I, I mean, I'm, I want you to really picture this now. Yeah. John is saying, not a, not a light, easy message.
1: Right.
0: John's saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You're not. You're going in the wrong direction. You need to turn around. Yeah. What you think is right is wrong.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It'd be like a minister from the Lord that the Lord talk. yeah going in there and say that. <laughs> 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 like that's heavy. You want me to yeah. go tell? people that 100% believe that they're right, going in the right direction, even though it's wrong, and I'm going to tell them, the Lord sees your sin, repent,
1: yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. you're going the wrong direction, everything that you believe is wrong. They're not going to get over so well. No. You might get stoned. <laughs> yeah. They might legitimately want to kill you. And I know one thing. you probably never get invited to preach there ever again. <laughs> and that's just... I mean, that, we was talking about if that was just an individual church, but I'm talking about... Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: Christianity as a whole. Like, so far off, biblical Christianity, repent... I said it this morning, but and later on we'll get there. But it said that the axe was laid to the root of the tree because it hadn't, it hadn't been bearing fruit. So the axe was already laid at the fruit, at the fruit, at the foot of the tree, waiting for the Lord to say, cut it down. It had been there for some time. I believe that the same thing that there's an axe laid at the foot of the tree. Of Christianity, Christianism,
1: Christian which Yeah, right, yeah.
0: Christian Which is we're just talking about what what people consider Christianity. That's everything from Assembly of God to uh, UPC, Apostolic. Uh, we can name Baptist, Catholic. We can name all. You know, yeah. there's so many different yeah. denominations. Because what's true of Israel ends up being true of the church because we just follow right behind them. That because the church isn't bearing fruit, we think we are. But in God's eyes, we're not. We just, because we're growing and right, the congregations are getting bigger. But if there's no spiritual growth, what's forever?
1: Yeah, that's true. And we just stay in the same. We might get bigger buildings, yeah.
0: bigger, everything, you know, bigger. Yeah. But God's not interested in quantity.
1: Yeah.
0: God's interested in quality. Yeah. Quality. If you if you have two believers of quality, mature believers in the faith, they have more power than a thousand.
1: Yeah. That's true.
0: More authority than a thousand because they understand where their authority is at.. Right. Is. Right. And they operated it properly. They know what they have in Christ. and there are a thousand over here that don't does two
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: right. But we just think that quantity is better the X to the root of the tree. Verse 5. Then went out to him Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region round about Jordan. So John was primarily at the Jordan River in Judea. It was about 25 miles from Jerusalem to the Jordan River. It was a long journey to make by foot, camel, or horse. So, this wasn't like, hey, you know what, let's go see John's ministry. After all, we're going to be passing right through there. No, it wasn't like that. <laughs> it was out of the way. <laughs>
1: yeah. It was an intentional trip made. It
0: wasn't just, oh, we'll be passing on through there. And it wasn't an easy trip. Okay. Not like American Christianity. Hmm.
1: Let it be a bad
0: storm, and My goodness. Yeah. <laughs> Let it be a, just, oh, you know what? It's raining outside. We can't go outside. You know what? We're just not going to go to church. Mm. We're talking about, this is 25 miles.
1: Right.
0: Not an easy trip to make. Yeah. And because
1: yeah.
0: it was the Lord, they were making the trip. That's it. Making the trip. Yeah. And now, of course, we have some crazy weather in Louisiana and sometimes... Yeah. <laughs> It is so bad that you literally can't get out of your house. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about a little rain. And we don't want to drive in the rain or get out in the rain. So we're like, well, I'm just not going to go to church.
1: The only thing that that shows me
0: is what your faith is actually in. Kind of like what I talked about this morning. Your faith is right. You'll want to go. right, Verse 7. Uh, I'll read verse 6 and 7, but verse 6 is pretty self-explanatory. And were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who has warned you to flee from the wrath to come? So even Pharisees and Sadducees were making the trip to see John the Baptist. They They were still making the trip. Now, I have seen in, in uh, some translations, and i talked about this morning, that some of uh, it's kind of got left out here, but some believe that it actually, what was actually said was that they were privately going, hmm. whereas all, everyone else was publicly, There was a public thing. They would go, which obviously if they went, they went publicly. but. That they publicly went, publicly confessed their sins, yeah, okay. publicly baptized. They weren't afraid to yeah. say, yeah, I'm but the Pharisees and Sadducees did it more privately. Because after all, they had a reputation to uphold, mm-hmm. because they were viewed as the righteousness of that day. Mm-hmm. So how how well would that look? If you're a Pharisee and you say, you know, you're the righteous standard of that time and you are going to John's baptism and then you're repenting. Now, we all have sinned, so for us it's not that big of a deal, but if, if you are supposed to be the model. So what was more important wasn't really that they were right with the Lord, it was their position and their standing amongst the people what people thought about them. So if they had to admit something that made them seem like less in the people's eyes, it wasn't going to happen. Because that was more important to them than yeah. being right with the Lord. Yeah. Image. Yeah. I hit on a little bit this morning, kind of about the altar call, but that's a Pharisee mindset. And we don't need to have that I can care less if I go to the altar, boohooing, and you guys are like, man, Brother Ted Pastor, he knows the message of the cross. He just totally got this, and I'm going running to the altar after Pastor preaches the message. I'll run to the altar, I'm weeping down there, and it's just, I'm just, not even a good cry, an ugly cry, (laughs) and just. Not everywhere, and you're all like, "Oh my goodness, man, brother Pastor, He obviously is just totally consumed with sin. I can care less what you think, yeah. because I'm more concerned about what the Lord thinks. Yeah. And if you thought, "Well, I'm not going to listen to brother Pastor preach no more," but I seen him last time at the altar, brother, he was it was ugly crying. He obviously had sin in his life. Hey, I, that's your mm-hmm. choice. I, I'm not going. You don't have to listen to me. But I'm concerned about the Lord. This right here. That's my biggest concern. I don't care what I look like. As long as this is good. Pharisees and Sadducees are two sects of self-righteous and zealous Jews who held to the letter of their interpretations of the law and to their own traditions, regardless of whether they nullify the word of God or not. They would have been considered the church of their day. What they believed the scripture said, they were sticking to it. Even if it didn't even make sense. Even (laughs) if it didn't line up with scripture as a whole. They weren't budget. They stuck to the laws and their own traditions. And if the word of God met up with their tradition, they considered their tradition greater than the word. God, right? And there was what well, that well, well, the tradition. Well, no, that's not. Sometimes we think that there's just new stuff under the sun. It's really not. It's the same old stuff. Tradition is held higher than the Word. Well, what we think is right is held higher than what the Word actually reveals. Is there? Yeah. Well, this is the way I was taught. Well, it is wrong. That's not, it's not fun to have to ever say that. Yeah. But if it doesn't line up with the Word of God, and it's wrong, and I don't say anything, I'm guilty. Yeah. Yeah. So, I'd rather you hate me, and my hands be clean before the Lord, yeah. than for me to not say anything, and you think I'm a great guy, and you don't hate me. But now... I'll stand and have to answer to that before the Lord. Yeah. Especially as a minister, because I knew, and I didn't say anything, just because I didn't want to hurt somebody's feelings. I wanted somebody to like me. But I just—I don't get that choice. <laughs> That's just don't I'm, I'm not my own. I belong to the Lord. And the, the the very purpose for the fivefold ministry is to exhort, correct, something else. Train. There's a few things, but that's a part of it. The fivefold ministry is to correct. It doesn't say you'll be like.
1: Right.
0: <laughs> but that's this is a part of my job. That's, that's what the Lord has it's just a part of it so we have all these different things that we believe and that nobody is exempt from this there's still th- I guarantee you, there's still certain things in my life that I believe that are wrong and the Lord will 100% reveal that to me and show it to me and I'll be like Whoa. the difference is whenever I see it Am I gonna submit and say, yeah. okay, yeah, that's wrong? Or am I gonna hold on to it with an iron fist, basically? Well, this is the way I was taught. This is what I believe, I always believe that. Can I just say it real plain and blunt? Grow up. Yeah.
1: We're
0: gonna grow up. It's okay that you might have been wrong. It's okay alright. It just means you're not God. You don't know everything. It's okay. It's okay. It is okay to be wrong. It's not okay to be stubborn and self-righteous to where you will not budge. Now you become like a backslidden heifer who you actually sit down. And you refuse to move. That's the whole idea of backslidden. That they would go to move the animal. And the animal didn't want to go in that direction. So what this massive animal would do is sit down. Move me now, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we're talking about a big animal. A a bull. An an ox. Something big. And you're trying to move them. And they just don't want to go. So they just sit down. Well, you're not going to have much love. Mm-hmm. Pulling that animal. That's what we do sometimes with the Lord. I'm just going to sit down.
1: <laughs>
0: because I'm not going land the wreck. Next slide. Okay, so he says, O generation of vipers, who has warned you to flee from the wrath to come, actually refers to them as poisonous ass A-S-P-S, asps, poisonous asps or adders, which were not ordinary snakes, but instead very deadly and aggressive serpents. So that's what he referred to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. What an insult. Every evidence is that the Holy Spirit penetrated their smooth exterior and religious façade. And went deep into their hearts. Where lay hidden malice and venom. And hinted that they belonged in the truest sense to the seed of the serpent. So basically what the Holy Spirit through John just told them was. You are sons of Satan. In their belief system. Big big key. I want you to see this. This is super important. And this is a, a. It is a vital help. For you to understand. With your fellow man. Who. Might have some wrong thought processes. Peter. A disciple of Christ. Who loved the Lord. Very much. Jesus talks about going to the cross and Peter says be it far from you Lord may it never happen Jesus turns to Peter and says get behind me Satan he is not what was Jesus doing there What's he saying Peter you ain't no good you no, that's not what he's saying what he's saying is Peter that thought process right there is from Satan not from God and just before that, Peter had a thought process from God. Right. Yeah. <laughs> because he said, who do, who, do, who do people say that I am? And they gave all the, well, who do you say I am? And Peter said, you're the Christ. you the son of the living God. And he said, flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, Peter, my father did. Yeah. So here's Peter. Praying. God has revelation knowledge about Christ. And then the next instant. <laughs> Lines his belief system up with Satan because that's what we are. We... That's that's what Jesus was really hitting at. Get behind me, Satan, Peter. You're Satan. No, Peter. That thought process is Satan. I know that look, I know that it just that Satan used you to say that. It's not you, Peter, but it's that thought process that's of the devil, not of God. False doctrine is of the devil, but it, you can't throw out the person. Right. We're so quick to do that. Yeah. Oh, well, that's it. They, they got to go. Okay, whoa, whoa. And that, if that's the case, then Peter should have been good gone. If somebody has a heart for the Lord, it doesn't mean that they're perfect.
1: Okay.
0: They're going to have some wrong beliefs, and the Lord is well able to deal with that. So it's just a good it's just a good thing to remember that what He said to Peter was because Peter aligned his belief system aligned up with Satan at that moment. But Peter did not. Now, you know the message of the cross, you know. <laughs> So, right here, the Holy Spirit goes through all of the exterior things and hits right at the heart of the matter for the Pharisees and Sadducees. Your belief system, everything that you hold on to, and you. That's not of God. That's of Satan. And you truly are your father's children, which would be Satan. The Holy Spirit struck at the greatest opposition to the gospel, religious self righteousness and self will. It's the greatest opposition to the gospel is religion, self righteousness, and self will. This is why, one of the reasons why, preaching the true gospel, the cross, you need the help of the Holy Spirit. Because. You got some opposition, big time. Religion, self-righteousness, self-will, demonic spirits, the world, the flesh, the devil. But you got all of that.
1: Yeah.
0: So the idea that you're going to preach the gospel and you don't know having the help of the Holy Spirit for service, you're a fool. You won't stand a chance. It, it, what it takes to break through all of that, you don't have. You don't possess <laughs> that. It doesn't matter how good you can explain something. That's not, what it ta- that's not really what it's about. It's about the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Ah, verse 8. Bring forth, therefore, fruits, meat for repentance. The word meat, or meat for is befitting. So, bring forth fruit, therefore bring forth, therefore, fruits be fitting for repentance. So you say you truly repent. It's time to see some evidence.
1: It's
0: time to see some evidence of true repentance. That's basically kind of the idea. John spoke of proof of genuine repentance to discourage mere profession and outward show. Water baptism as a mere ceremony or act without and without the suitable heart. Without the suitable heart repentance. Was and is of no consequence. A uh, really easy way to just explain. What I just really said. Is that. Uh, you can go under the water. But if you don't really have a heart of repentance. You just going down a center. And you coming up a wet center. <laughs> then, then,
1: <yeah. laughs>
0: what really matters. Isn't whether you're dumped under the water or not. It's what your heart. That's it. The repentance in your heart, where we talk about this It's really about here, your heart. Your heart. You could go through the action and never have the heart. Right. Mm. But you can't go through with the heart and not have the action. Yeah, that's true. The fruits spoken of would have meant of an inward work which had already been attended by the Holy Spirit, thereby. Bring the people to a realization of their need. Verse 9 And think not to say within yourselves we have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. The Holy Spirit goes to the very heart of the problem. It is a Warning against the false feeling of security based on natural privileges. The Holy Spirit hits the heart of their problem, stripping away their self-righteousness and placing them on the level of all sinners desperately need God. Remember one of the big beliefs for Israel is that we're saved because we're Jews. Jews. And that was, in, in in John's preaching, if they would have felt the pricking of the Holy Spirit on their hearts, they would have just discredited it because, after all, I'm a Jew, and I'm going to be saved because I'm a Jew. So they could have just kind of brushed off the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Well, I, okay, I kind of feel, but I'm a Jew, so I'm good. All right. I'm a Jew so I'm good and John the Holy Spirit through John knows the thoughts and says and don't think just because you belong to Abraham that you're a descendant of Abraham that you'll be saved because God is able to raise up from these stones children of Abraham don't think you're anything special and that it gains you anything doesn't earn you anything with God our position as Americans, our position as Pentecostals, our position as Republican or Democrat doesn't gain you one single thing with God That's right. at all. No, nothing. Because I said it before if, it, if you can't gain anything From position or being associated With anything If Israel can't Nobody can because we know 100% that God Chose Israel
1: Right. Mm.
0: So if it doesn't work for them It won't be working for us <laughs> right. As, With anything Okay, so verse 10, and now also the axe is laid unto the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which brings not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. If Israel does not repent and begin to bring forth good fruit, they were going to be cut down and cast into the fire. Israel lost their status as a nation. The judgment of God had come to them even though a few were brought to Christ in the early church, for the most part, almost all the Jewish people have died lost from that time until now. There were a few, but in the whole scheme of things, the percentage that were saved is very small. The axe was already laid to the root of the tree, and they didn't repent. Therefore, judgment followed, and they were... Hewn down. They ceased to be a nation. For quite of Because they didn't bear fruit. Okay. Verse 11. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he who comes after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I'm not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. The baptism of John was only a symbol of an inward work that had already been carried out in the heart of the participants. So I'm not going to a certain lot of this stuff. I'm not going to have to go into a bunch of detail because I preached it this morning. So (laughs) um, there are, I gave you this information. I don't know if I gave you this information before in Romans or not. But there are three baptisms in Scripture. There is water baptism, baptism into Christ, and baptism in the Holy Spirit. Three baptisms. For water baptism, the minister, or whatever, is the one who performs, who does the actual baptizing, and then the person that gets saved is the participant in that baptism. Uh, it is a symbol and a type for Our death, burial, and resurrection with Christ. So, then we have baptism into Christ. Now, the Holy Spirit is the agent that baptizes you, the believer, into Christ. That you're placed into Christ. That's what Paul talked about in Romans. That we're baptized into Christ that the Holy Spirit took us and placed us into Christ. So, Christ's death became our death. Christ's resurrection became our resurrection. Christ's ascension, our ascension. Everything that's Christ became ours. So, we talked talk about this morning, but how do I get victory over the flesh? You've been crucified with Christ. That's what When I talk about when I say faith in Christ, I'm talking about everything that that was that took place there, not just His blood. Right? And I don't, I don't want you to take that in. A, it kind of sounded bad when I said, it. "Not just, not just." That is, that is only one part of Calvary. It's so important. Every part is important, but just that alone, just. Faith in the blood of Christ, which cleanses our sin, doesn't necessarily give you victory over sin. Faith in the sacrifice of Christ,
1: and that you've been baptized into Christ, that when Christ was crucified, you were crucified. Right.
0: And that, what were you crucified to? The old man. Right. The, The old, the sin nature. Right. You were crucified to it. So, you should be what? Dead to it. That you don't live, you don't live with the relationship to the sin nature anymore because you've died in Christ. If you just look to the blood of Jesus for victory over sin, you're going to struggle. Because that's to pay the price for your sin. So we'll go back to the blood for forgiveness, for forgiveness, for forgiveness. But he said, if you don't understand what took place at Calvary, it's like you never quite get it because... Even though you're still going to the right place, you can only believe in what you know. If you didn't know that that took place at the cross, that when He was crucified, you were crucified because in the mind of God, you were in Him. Right? If you if you went to go if you went to Jerusalem, if you went to Golgotha and you went to where Jesus was crucified, you could 100% say, this right here is where I died. Yes. Yes. Right. That's right. Yes. You mean this is where Jesus died? No, no, no. This is where Tanner died. Right. This is where I died. Me, Tanner, died right here. 2,000 years ago. Right. I died. So when the old man comes knocking, I don't answer because I'm dead. That's true. It.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So you might not, you might go that direction and you say, well, I'm going to believe that. And you fail. And you say, well, I'm going to keep believing that. And you it, it doesn't happen immediately. It's a process. But if you keep going right there and you say, no, I'm not going to do anything else. This is, what, this is what scripture says. That I've been crucified with Christ. Eventually you will win.
1: Yes. yes.
0: And the whole time that you think that you're failing. Every time you continue to look back at the cross. Back at the cross. You're actually being strengthened in the faith. You're actually growing. You're persevering through it. Your faith is growing. Growing. The Lord, if you can go with it here, the Lord allows you to fail. in order that you can grow, that you can, that your faith is mature. Yes. Because just a faith that says, Well, I tried it once, it didn't work. That's not mature. We need to be strengthened. We need it to grow. We need to be matured in the faith. That I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep. Going. I'm going to keep going. Dude, you've been doing that for two years and you're still struggling with the same thing. There's no other place to go. Right. That's it. Right. That's it. That's right. Faith. Yes. That's right. No other place to go. Well, you know what? Why don't you try this? Because it's been two years now, my man. See, the Lord's trying to find out will you believe? Yes. Will you yes. keep? Yes. Do you really trust it? Yes. Or will yes. you turn to other things? Right. When it doesn't, when the victory doesn't happen when you think it should happen. <laughs> yes. Because, I've said it before, we are a fast food generation. Yeah,
1: that's true. Yeah.
0: Well, I tried the cross. It doesn't work for me. <laughs> okay, well, let's see. Just let me know what you're... Well, you know, a whole year. A year, my brother. This is a lifetime. Yeah, yes. It's not just a... It's not. This is not a... A book fad that you're trying this is this is the narrow way that you stay in or you don't there's no other place to go that's what one of the biggest things that get us is when we don't see the victory so then we think okay well I need to help God (laughs) out (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, he needs me that. So, the Lord obviously needs me because, you know what, they should send him up. And the temptation is, are you going to go to law? Because there's really no other place to go. If it's not grace, if it's not what Christ did for you, then it's law. So, and if if you choose to go the way of law, the enemy got you hooked, line, and sinker because the very next thing that's going to happen is the sin nature is going to revive.
1: Yeah.
0: Because as long as you're looking at Calvary, the sin nature is dormant. Mm -hmm. It's not continuously pouring in corruption. You actually have victory over it. The divine nature is ruling, and the sin nature is subject to the divine nature. The older serves the younger. Mm. The, The sin nature's been in us longer than the divine nature. God's plan is that the older serves the younger. Sin nature is the younger nature in us. God's plan is that the divine nature rule and the sin nature be subject to the divine nature and the only way that that will happen is if your faith is in what Christ did. The moment you move it to law or anything else, the divine nature now becomes servant to the sin nature. So, you're living a lifestyle of sin and you're still broken because it doesn't say the divine nature leaves, but the divine nature is now subject to the sin nature. The divine nature is a slave to the sin nature. So what is moving your life in every direction is the sin nature, not the divine nature. So sins, you're seeing sin in your life and it breaks your heart because you don't want it there because you. Love the Lord, you still have the divine nature inside of you. It doesn't just disappear. So you find yourself in Romans chapter 7 where you want to do what's right. You love the Lord, you want to do what's right, you want to be obedient, but the only thing that you seem to find is that you do the exact opposite. And it breaks your heart because you love God with all your heart. Miserably saved. Still saved. You still got the divine nature, but you're miserable. Constantly repenting, constantly asking for forgiveness, and because the sin nature is ruling you like a king, he's a monarch over your life, when God's plan is that the divine nature rule. But the only way that that's going to happen is if your faith is in Christ and what he's done. That's the only thing that God requires of us is faith in that and he'll take care of the rest. Yes. Because if he gave us anything else, we'd just ruin it. Yeah. (laughs) Because we're really good at that. Yeah. (laughs) Because everything that we touch gets corrupted Mm -hmm. because we're corrupted. We're fallen creatures. So God's plan, this is God's plan if you go to the law because you're not seeing what you want to see as fast as you want to see it, you turn to the flesh, which the flesh is you're going to take you to law because the flesh says you, you, well you got to do something, well you need to help the Lord, well you're not doing enough, that's the self, me, 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 I, I. so i go set, i set out to accomplish something in order to give me victory i'm already i already can't get victory over that, i'm already in bondage to this sin so now i'm going to make up some i'm going to put some type of law in place so that will help me get victory over this sin so i'm going to fast lunch every day for a week, and if I do that, the Lord will provide the grace that I need to give me victory. First of all, you won't find it in scripture and you won't get the help of the Holy Spirit because it's not God's way. So you're now on your own. You're operating in the flesh. You now no longer have the help of the Holy Spirit. And now on top of all of that, because you went the way of the flesh, the, div- the divine nature is now a slave to the sin nature. So if you thought it was bad before, you just opened up a can of worms. And all of that because you moved your faith. All of that takes place because you move your faith to something else. When my faith is in Christ and the cross I have joy, peace, hope, man. Confidence, assurance, song in my heart. When my faith moves to something else it goes on. What gets us is it doesn't seem to happen to me do. Otherwise we'd be like, oh my faith is in something else but it's a process and before too long we drifted and we're like whoa how did I get here <laughs> you moved your faith that's why I talked about this morning that the, your faith is what is going to make or break your Christian wall and it's not how strong your faith is how great your faith is that's mm-hmm. not it it's what your faith is in. Your faith is only as strong as the object that it's in. Hmm. If your faith is in itself, and, and if your faith is in Christ and what he's done, you have strong faith. Yeah. Because it's in the right thing. If your faith is in anything else, you got weak faith. Because it's in something that can't help you. Baptisms. That's where we end up. Wow. Okay, baptisms. <laughs> so baptism into Christ, we all kind of get, and then baptism into the Holy Spirit, where Jesus Christ is the agent that actually baptizes you into the Holy Spirit. So He takes you and places you into the holy, the person of the Holy Spirit. So the three baptisms that there are in Scripture water baptism is a symbol of the death burial and resurrection of Christ I told you that already and I'm going to give you the passage of scripture for it it's first Peter chapter 3 verse 21 first Peter chapter 3 verse 21 one more time first Peter chapter 3 verse 21 is where you're going to find a passage of scripture that reveals that water baptism is a symbol of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. So what what John said, uh, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, could have been translated, I indeed baptize you with water because of repentance. Mm -hmm. Faith in water baptism counts for nothing and will not save faith in the cross of Christ saves and opens the true meaning of water baptism. The first time I really understood the cross and what water baptism actually stood for, what it was a symbol of, the next time I saw someone get water baptized, I wept like a baby. Whereas before I was like, water baptism, water baptism. pray God. <laughs> get baptized, pray God. Until I saw what that it was a symbol of Yeah. A baptism into Christ, death, burial, resurrection, and then the next time I saw somebody get baptized, my the Holy Spirit I had a Pentecostal fit about somebody getting water baptized. I
1: thought
0: I was gonna take off like a bottle (laughs) rocket. Okay, Pastor, I mean just water baptism when you see what it really means. Not the, not the ceremony. Yeah. But the fulfillment. Of the symbol. Yeah. My goodness. Water baptism comes to life. Right. Yeah. That's right. Alright. Next thing it says. But he that cometh after me is mightier than I. The main purpose and intent of John's ministry. Was to prepare the way of the Lord. After me. It's meant to proclaim the soon appearance of Christ. The word mightier speaks to the power of his own presence and delivery, which no doubt all the people. So, Basically, I said this this morning. In other words, John is saying, if you think what you are hearing now is powerful, you haven't seen anything yet. Right. Because when the one after me comes, you think my ministry is good. Wait till you see Jesus. Hmm. It says, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. Back in verse 11. John was speaking of the duty of slaves of the lowest rank. John, in comparing himself to Christ, does so as a slave of the lowest rank. Compared to Christ, that's how John said that he he was compared to the Messiah. I'm not even worthy to be the lowest slave next to him. Mm -hmm. And Jesus said that among the prophets, John is the greatest. but John himself said, compared to him. Now that really ought to speak volumes to to us. I'm not in in myself, I'm not
1: even worthy Mm -hmm. to serve him. That's right. That hit hit me just now. I'm not even worthy to serve him. We like to talk about how we Oh, I serve the Lord, I serve the Lord, I serve the Lord. And I don't mean that being in a bad way because I know that most people's hearts are very sincere in that. But in ourself, just
0: in our self, in our natural self, we're not even worthy to be His servant, To serve Him, to wash His feet, to unlatch His shoes. To, we're not even worthy to do that. How could we possibly think ourselves worthy of any more than that right to gain anything by our merit right that is it, it, it just when you really see it like what are you talking about it just oh, the, the truth is we have no business we have no business being in the family of God I huh. Within ourselves, we have no business being in the family of God. We have no business being in heaven. Mm. We have no business being able to call Him Father or being able to commune with Him in prayer. We have, it's not even close. Ministry, ah, yeah, no business being in ministry. I got no business. Mm. Say, so, man, what well, brother God chose you because not because His grace, yes, right. right? What I do was freely, one hundred percent free. There is nothing in me, nothing. that says, oh yeah, I should be ministering. There's nothing in me that says I should be able to have a relationship with the Lord. To say that I should be going to heaven. That's why when I think about that one day, I'll be with Him. I get excited because I've got no business being there, but I will be there and see Him face to face because it is all of His grace. (laughs) All of His grace. None of me. All of Him. Nothing that I do or can ever do because in all reality I have no business I wouldn't even be good enough, not just to serve, but to serve as the lowest slave. I'm not talking about serving as the king's cupbearer, which would have been a nice position. (laughs) I'm talking about the lowest slave. Even right there, John says... His grace is greater than what we know. And it takes the Holy Spirit revealing it to see. That you truly are as it says in Ephesians I believe it's Ephesians a trophy of His grace. That at the end of it all when it's all said and done and you're in glorified state that the Lord will actually hold you up for all of the world to see not the world as we know but I'm talking about the kingdom of the enemy in front of everyone the angels, everything He will hold you up as a trophy not of your greatness but of His grace Yes. Look what my grace has done. Yes. yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's the, um, Yes. Wow. Yes. Praise yes. mm. God. Yes. Because He's that great. Mm. Our God is great. Mm. Wow. His grace is great. John says, He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Speaks of the baptism with the Holy Spirit, which every believer should go on and receive after being saved. John compares his baptism in water to Christ's baptism in the Holy Spirit. The idea is that as John, as John would immerse the candidate completely beneath the water, which constitutes the act of baptism, likewise, the Lord Jesus Christ would do the same to those who were baptized in the Holy Spirit, completely immerse them in the Holy Spirit with the Holy Spirit in them and them in the Holy Spirit, which is the true meaning of baptism. That's some good news. (laughs)
1: John is also
0: saying that only Christ can do this, not himself or any other. No man can baptize you with the Holy Spirit. That's right. Only Christ. Which means it's his timing.
1: Right.
0: When he sees fit, he has the timing. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't mean if you you haven't received it and you saw it and you haven't received it. It doesn't mean it's not for you. It's for you. (laughs) Don't let the enemy lie to you. It's for you. You keep on seeking. The Lord's got a time. And when his time's right, it's going to happen. I saw it and didn't receive right away. Uh, Somebody I went to Bible college with, loved the Lord with all of her heart. She sought the Lord for the baptism for years. Like... I don't want to get it totally wrong, but anywhere between 7 to 12 years. And didn't receive. And did she finally receive? Some people have sought for 20 years. The Lord has the time. But it doesn't mean it's not for you. There is a vast difference in being born of the Spirit which is regeneration or being saved and born again receiving the divine nature. Uh, There's a vast difference between being born of the Spirit than being baptized in the Spirit. Mm -hmm. Being born of the Spirit is that you receive the divine nature the new nature on the inside which you did not have before. That you've received the circumcision of your heart they have a new nature you've been regenerated or regened that's being born of the spirit uh, baptized in the spirit is when Jesus takes you and immerses you in the person of the holy spirit now, the next thing that he says is and with fire which you can see at the very end of verse 11 and with fire has to do with the burning away of the flesh out of the godly. It is unquenchable fire, which means it will perform its intended purpose. Okay, so verse 12. I know I preached this this morning. So. Whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner, But he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. The work of the Holy Spirit is outlined here and it will take place in the hearts and lives of all believers. Uh, Whose fan is in his hand refers to the ancient method of winnowing grain after the stalks have been pulverized on the threshing floor. A worker would use a pitchfork throwing the grain and the husks into the air. Another worker, if there was no wind, would use a giant palm fronds or other type apparatus fanning the grain and the husks. Consequently, the husks, which were lighter, would be blown to the side of the threshing floor with the grain falling back to the floor. This would be continued until all the husks were separated from the grain with the grain being placed into the garment. So, just kind of give you a picture of this. Threshing floor, there's this big rock, which is the floor. And they would take all the grain, the wheat, and they would put it all on this rock floor. Then they would take an ox cart and roll it over the stalks. So that the grain would be separated from the husks. Which, we, the husks are just on the outside. I've seen corn. They got the husks, get the husk off, and so then you get to the grain itself. So that would be on the floor, and they'd roll this cart over it. And that's what would separate the grain from the husks. And then you'd have another worker with a pitchfork and he'd scoop it and throw it into the air. And then another worker on the side he would have a palm leaf or whatever would be making wind. And that wind would blow the husks to the side and the grain would fall back down. So you keep the grain and you get rid of the husks. And they would do it until all the grain and the husk was separated. Mm. And then the husk would be on the side where they would burn it up with fire. So that's kind of the... You can picture that. Does anybody have any questions about any? Mm. My favorite part is that the grain stays. Yeah. Amen. The grain stays. Hmm. That means it's the grain doesn't get blown away with every wind of dark. Right? (laughs) Right? Good. Okay. (laughs) The idea is that the primary task Of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer is to bring about this process using whatever is necessary in order order to separate the chaff from the grain. So I just tell you now that the chaff is the flesh and the grain is the spirit. Now I'm going to read this again. And I want you to really hear it. The primary task of the Holy Spirit in your life is to bring about the pro- this process, the purging process, using whatever is necessary in order to separate the flesh from the Spirit. In Bible college, I heard this. God has a specific trial that He actually has just for you. God has a specific trial created just for Sarah. Because He knows Sarah, He knows what Sarah's faith is in. And he has a trial, a specific one, that will do the work that he desires in Sarah's heart. That same trial might not do it in my heart or your heart, but in Sarah's. So when the trial comes, it won't be doing Sarah any good To say, get behind me, Satan. (laughs) Because the Lord allowed the trial for the purging process. And he has one that's tailor-made just for Sarah. Just for you. He knows you. He knows what your faith is. And he knows what it's going to take. He knows the corner that you have to be backed into.
1: Yeah.
0: And he, it, we're not cookie cutters. Yeah. It's not the same for everybody.
1: Yeah.
0: Sure. But take heart because you're not the only one in the process. Amen. We're all in the process. To encourage. To strengthen. And after this morning. Now you know the end goal. Yeah. Yes. So now that you know the end goal. Praise God. It might not be as long. <laughs> 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 the wind created. Uh, no, sorry. The wind created may come. I wrote that. But I um, don't It speaks of a violent process which is not at all appetizing to the flesh. But will prove to be invigorating to the spirit. When the trial comes, we do not want to be there. That's true. It's like being in a frying pan and all you want to do is jump out. But if you jump out, you'll just prolong it and you'll be put back in so you might as well just yeah. Just
1: <laughs> just sit on down in that, <laughs> and
0: Just submit to him. Just submit. Might as well just let him season you up and cook you. <laughs> because at least now you know what he's trying to accomplish. Right. So if you know what he's trying to accomplish. Right. When I'm at work. And we are going to do something at work. And maybe we don't exactly talk about it too much. And I'm not really sure what the goal is. It's really hard for me to be of any help. Because I don't know what we're actually trying to do here. In the sanctification process, that's about how I used to feel. I have no idea what we're trying to do here. (laughs) <laughs> like, are we trying to just annihilate me <laughs> okay I already feel that I know I'm a sinner We can not just be real I know I'm a sinner Lord I know I'm not worthy I know I can't do it I'm not frustrated what I don't understand And then of course, well-meaning Christians, just trust God, bro. Yeah. Just trust. Just trust, just trust God, bro. He's trying to strengthen your prayer life. He's trying to draw you closer to him. Duh.
1: Sometimes the answers that we get because we don't even know.
0: And we mean well because we just we don't want to see anybody give up but if you're blind, don't be leading people. Because we're both going in the same ditch.
1: And I, I, I would
0: get so frustrated. I don't understand until the message of the cross.
1: Yeah.
0: And then you're trying to purify my faith. Hello? Yeah. Yeah. If I knew that, I might have not went around this same mountain.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Five times. <laughs> yeah. That's what you were after the whole time.
0: Yeah. Are you following? following. Oh,
1: yeah.
0: Now I know... Where God's trying to, what He's trying to accomplish. So now that I know what He's trying to accomplish, I'm better equipped to travel through the process, not avoid the process, travel through the process. And that now the Word says that in every test and every temptation, the Lord provides a way of escape. Yeah. Our interpretation of that passage is oh RUN away.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and everything the Lord's gonna
0: find make a way for me to run away <laughs> to get! It. I got problems at work. God's gonna provide a way for me to just run away, brother Sid, a new job, baby, because that's what the Lord wants to get. No, the Lord trying to purify your faith, and the best place for that to happen is right here. <laughs>
1: it's true. Yeah.
0: What does the passage really mean then? That in everything he'll provide a way. Of escape, what it really is saying that is, he'll provide a way to exit the trial properly. Or well, what is that? Faith in Christ. What he's done for you. Faith in the cross. Because right there is where your faith will be yeah, purified. purified. And that right in the middle of the trial, you'll find the place that you have everything that you have need of. And what you thought you needed before, that you're not, it's just not happening. And you're in a place where you're being squeezed. You find that even in that place, I have everything that I need right here in Christ. I always had it, I just didn't look right there. And now, there's nowhere else for me to go.
1: Right.
0: So now I've got to put it to the test. And I'll find that it passed the test. And then, because of that, my faith will be purified. It'll be less in other things, more in what Christ has done for me because I just experienced walked in it. It worked. And even in that, right in the middle of the test, I found that it was the thing that shielded me from the flames. Yes. And before I knew it, I had exited the trial and I didn't know it. Right. Because he'll in every he'll make a way of you know, escape or Exit. And the way of exodus, faith in what Christ has already mm-hmm. done for you. Mm-hmm. Not run away!
1: <laughs>
0: right. We are really good at running away. If it doesn't go my way, what's the answer? Run away,
1: yeah.
0: go somewhere else. And in doing that, you're slowing up the process, and you may think you got away with it, uh, but you did not. (laughs) You'll find that the same issue will just keep popping up, up, no matter where you go. And the only thing that's reoccurring is you. I feel like that. I basically covered all this this morning. So I don't really need to. But I'll just give you this one last thing. Or the two last things. And that'll be it. Uh, At the end of the verse 12 it says. But he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. This speaks of all we prize. So highly. Other than Christ. It's going to burn up. Either now. Or at the judgment seat of Christ, so don't fight it. And just let it go now. <laughs> it's never gonna make it. Okay, it's not gonna. <laughs> it's already been condemned. Just let it go now. The flesh and all its works are so abominable to God that they must not only be separated. From that produced by the Holy Spirit, but they must also be consumed by the fire of the Spirit, that there be no trace left whatsoever. The Lord is interested in purifying our faith, that our faith would be in what Christ has done for us and that alone, and not in everything else under the sun. And right now, we're a mixture. We are faith in Christ. We have to be faith in Christ. Otherwise, you can't be saved. So if someone says, Well, you don't have faith in Christ. Well, I'm saved. so I, know, uh, I must have some. Yeah. We're a mixture. Yeah. We are faith in Christ. But we're also faith in a lot of other things. And the Lord is trying to weed that out. Yeah. To where it's less in other things yeah. and more yeah. in Christ. And through that process, you'll be stronger. Yeah. Even though you're going to feel weaker.
1: Yeah.
0: Because you'll be more dependent upon what the Lord has done in His grace. So you're going to feel weaker, but you'll be stronger because your faith is more purified, more purified, more purified. Amen. 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 That is it for tonight. And we'll be in a new head next week.